Hello? Hello, sir. Yeah? Hey, yeah. yeah, this is Lewis. I just moved in uh, around the way recently, and I had my mail vacation forwarded to your address just for two weeks while I'm out of town. I hope that's okay with you. I can come pick it up in two weeks' time when I've returned. You had your mail? Where did you move to? Uh, well, I just moved right around the corner from you all there, and the postmaster gave me your number. I just had it sent to your address for two weeks. I'm going to Iowa. What address did you have it sent? All right, well, here's the show. This is Rock Hard Caucus, episode 61. We took a couple weeks off. We've been, uh, well, I, how busy have you guys been? Very, I would say. <laughs> well, yeah, a little bit more busy than usual since, like, people are doing things now. Yeah, I've been incredibly busy playing XCOM, so <laughs> I wasn't able to yeah, play it. Yeah, I've never played that episodes. one. I've heard uh, a lot about it, though. Yeah, I played it years ago. I played um, Enemy Unknown, which is the first of the new series. But then I was playing it again because I have the expansion now, which is called Enemy Within. And Ooh. it sucked me in very hard, and I was playing it for several hours a day. I don't, I'm getting it confused. I think I'm getting it confused with, like, Deus Ex, because, like, I was into that game a lot back, like, the original Deus Ex game that came out, like, 1999 or something. Yeah, I've and never played that. I think I always that. get it confused. JD, a bomb! <laughs> oh my god, JC, a bomb! A bomb! It's remote control. Hold on! It's a great game. <laughs> It's good. Yeah, you'd like it. There's a lot of, like, conspiracy theory shit and, yeah, a lot of funny, like, voice acting and it's got a funny plot. Yeah, and it's basically, like, Half-Life, right? Like, it was around the same time, so the yeah. gameplay is probably... It's, uh, it's, like, one of the first sort of, like, sh- hybrid shooter RPG games. Okay, cool. Uh, well, Natalie, what were you busy with? Um, just been doing a lot of stuff, like, for fun. Like, we went <laughs> boating this weekend... <laughs> And I've been doing a lot of yoga, and I applied for a master's degree program, so it's just really Ooh. good. I don't oh, know. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know how you feel about it, but <laughs> what are you? Well, if you want to get into it, what are you applying for a master's degree in? Um, in the fall, I am starting my MBA. Isn't that disgusting? <laughs> <laughs> you better get into some good arguments with your professors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will. Don't worry. There is a way to be a commie, I'm sure. <laughs> Especially if it's online. I'm I'm set for that. I did most of my bachelor's online, and I am absolutely great at arguing on the internet, and I got to channel that into like something that helped my career. It was great. I love online school. I'm awesome at it. <laughs> That's the yeah. dream. Well, if it gets you more money at a job, I think it's, I guess it can right. be worth it. I know a lot of people that have done that for that reason, so. Yeah, I'm not doing it because, like, it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got some news if you guys want to talk about news. You know, the reason we started the show talking about the caucus, there's actually been caucus news this week. Yes. Oh, I just wanted to say that we are the least sexist podcast in Iowa (laughs) and that we've never bullied a state auditor ever <laughs> we would never do targeted harassment and the entire show is shielded by the presence of my vagina so i will just re- accuse you of reverse yes if that you. is the only reason natalie is on the show to be clear <laughs> yep. it is to haul out to protect against accusations of sexism 
very right. non-specific accusations right. of sexism. Please, <laughs> please bring receipts next time you try to get mad at us. Thank you. <laughs> and it's not sexist of us to have a woman on the show only for that purpose. No, no, it's that's progressive. <laughs> yes, we're giving her a job. <laughs> Otherwise, she would be out on the street. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if we were going to address the controversy since it's it's been a few weeks. Actually, that's why we didn't record. We were too scared. We're absolutely terrified. <laughs> well, you were hitting the you were hitting the streets for the special election that's today. Also, yeah. that's your real excuse. Oh yeah, yeah. And I went to a Black Lives Matter protest too. So there's lots of stuff going on now. Yeah, Natalie said that she went she went boating. Well, I went voting. Uh. <laughs> yeah that's uh happening right now the it's election day we're recording this on june 8th it's currently 6 15 p.m and i'm gonna call the election now this is my prediction <laughs> zero results have come in and i'm calling the election for john green for johnson county supervisor you heard it here first folks yep this episode will come out after the actual election results have come out but because i told you when we're recording it counts as a prediction still yes it does. Oh, I thought you had inside information. I thought you uh, might have connections with some of the, you know, Democratic vote counter bots. <laughs> you know, I know uh, I've met the the guy that works at the auditor's office or the, the county administration office, the guy that counts the votes. And I know that he, he doesn't actually count them. And he just <laughs> he just <laughs> declares the Democrat the winner every time. That's Johnson <laughs> County's secret. Yeah. He gets a, a spreadsheet emailed to him from antifa at gmail.com. <laughs> antifa is sort of like an intelligence agency uh, that works for the Democratic Party. That's, yeah, that's pretty accurate, I'd say. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's very strong connections between, you know, actual anarchists and the Democratic Party. <laughs> they work hand in hand, one and the same. Okay, well, I said there was news about the caucus, and since we are Rock Hard Caucus, we are obligated to talk about the news about the caucus. Here's the headline from our friend Brianne Pfaffensteel at the Des Moines Register. Your friend. <laughs> it's true. I guess I'm probably the only one that's met her. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, you remember. She was in the that primary debate that happened in Des Moines. She was one of the moderators. Okay. She asked some shitty question that got everybody everybody's feathers ruffled, but I don't remember the specifics. Yep. I don't remember it too either, but I remember how I felt. You'll never forget how <laughs> what someone does, but you will remember how they make it. Also, didn't I was referring? Didn't she interview you, Justin, and then like rolled yes, her eyes at you because you were like a Bernie or Bus guy? <laughs> oh yeah, right, was that yes. her? Yeah, yeah. This was revelations on the podcast over a year, probably a year and a half ago. Don't <laughs> <laughs> even remember anything. <laughs> so li listeners if you've been around for a while you may recall <laughs> <laughs> but the hosts do not <laughs> i met brianne faffensteel once at an ice cream social thrown by the bernie campaign and i told her i would not vote for joe biden well here she is on june 1st writing about nevada lawmakers trying to jump ahead of iowa and new hampshire in the presidential nominating process which they should well hold on <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry Spoiler. should they we're in iowa natalie shouldn't we want <laughs> iowa to remain first in the nation i'm not fucking selfish so. <laughs> i thought You're you not? wanted that attention <laughs> i love attention yes but right. i love the national press just tonguing 
<laughs> Tonguing us. <laughs> Tonguing. <laughs> I didn't say where. <laughs> Get in down there and just blubbering around. <laughs> Lawmakers in Nevada are angling to jump to the front of the presidential nominating calendar, passing a bill this week that seeks to place the state's contest ahead of both Iowa's caucuses and New Hampshire's primaries. The state legislature this week approved and sent to the governor AB 126, a bill transforming Nevada's caucuses into primary elections and setting their date early in the year in an effort to supersede Iowa and New Hampshire. Oh, so they're ditching the caucus. Interesting. Right. Shifting to a primary instead of a caucus, which is, uh, that's the best thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good idea. Uh, the problem is it's, it's not going to happen because, uh, I don't know if there's, you know, if anyone remembers back that far, but like, Bernie pretty much destroyed that caucus uh, mm-hmm. in 2020. It's one of the best feelings I've ever felt. Yeah, that was like, yeah, probably the most optimistic people were about the Bernie campaign at any point in the primary cycle. Right. But then also their state Democratic Party got uh, taken over by the Nevada DSA. Yes, um, exactly. And led right. to all of their uh, formerly uh, appointed people just quitting immediately because they got <laughs> voted out. <laughs> or no, because I think the chair got voted out and then they all just followed suit or something. I don't I don't know all the details, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They got outvoted or outnumbered on like the board or some shit by yeah. DSA people. Mm-hmm. Let's just say I have very little uh, confidence that they'll be successful in this in this maneuver. Right, yeah. The well, Let me keep going in the article, and then we'll get to that. Uh, it's time for Nevada to take its rightful place, not just first in the West, but in the nation, as a diverse state, a state with diverse issues, said Nevada Assembly Speaker Jason Frierson, a Democrat who sponsored the legislation. The bill still must be approved by Democratic Governor Steve Sisolak to become law, and the change would also need support from the national political parties. I'm thinking, yeah, the National Democratic Party is not going to be thrilled about this. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, Steve Sisolak is also kind of a goofy guy. He was trying to set up sort of like company towns for like tech companies in Nevada. Oh, yeah. Where oh, yeah. Basically, right. they would like have some sort of contract where they would basically overtake some of the functions of city governments and have... Uh, community set up where it was basically like their employees. It's uh, you yeah, know for innovation uh, <laughs> and all of that sort of thing. <laughs> inventing the inventing script. Yeah, this is progress. Innovating, yes. innovating, inventing your ways into- to controlling people's lives <laughs> to an even greater degree. <laughs> innovating into indentured servitude. Brand new ideas. <laughs> I love it when they invent this stuff. Or when people come up with like buses, <laughs> like Uber, an Uber pool is a bus. You invented a bus, like way to go. Yeah, a bus where the driver is supplying the vehicle themselves. Uh, even if the change does advance, it would almost certainly be met with resistance from leaders in Iowa and New Hampshire. Both states have laws on the books that require their presidential nominating contests to be held before any other similar contests. And we've talked about this before. Why does a state get to pass a law about <laughs> themselves that applies to like yeah. the whole country? <laughs> yeah, that's like, what's stopping any other state from 
I mean, literally nothing. Like, then what happens then? Is like, does that go to the Supreme Court? <laughs> right. Is this I just a, like know. a mutual respect between all 50 states that <laughs> no one's going to violate an <laughs> Iowa state law? <laughs> Why not all vote on the same day? I mean, that sounds crazy, but. Why not? It seems maybe a little bit simpler. <laughs> maybe a better the- outcome. The pro-democracy party. That's how the general election works. <laughs> and it seems to work, I guess. What if, yeah, what if, like, the presidential election worked like that, where it was, like, one state <laughs> votes three weeks before all the others? <laughs> it's goofy. And that's, that's the narrative and momentum for the rest yeah. of the... <laughs> yeah. That's a brilliant p- proposal to make the election cycle even more embarrassingly <laughs> horrible and... <laughs> Right, the nominating process lasts like six months. Well, I mean, from when voting starts, it really is like a year and a half at least now. <laughs> but yeah, it's a nightmare. And for some reason, we just like accept that that's like a stretched out process. But the general election is one day, which makes sense. Like this is how it should be. We don't want to deal with this for any longer than necessary. Well, yeah, and they could also, you know, maybe go back and and increase the uh, early voting period, kind of like go back because they they lowered it of course after the what, election and what if everyone's vote counted the exact same and Whoa. we all did it at the same time oh this is right sounding like democracy <laughs> direct democracy actually you know what we shouldn't be voting for human beings to fill seats <laughs> we should each. Yes. yeah we're here are you here natalie's internet went out Natalie's internet went down. Natalie's internet went down. Okay, where were we? Nevada? Uh, yeah, so, uh... (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna joke about how we shouldn't vote for people. We should all just have to vote, like, every day on every proposal for every law. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, direct... Democracy, direct, direct democracy. Yeah, no, no more of this. Represent- direct democracy 2.0. How about that? Representative bullshit. Yeah, humans are fallible. <laughs> oh, so- how about how about the? Uh, I don't know what countries or organizations do this, but the idea of like just drafting random people into the legislature. <laughs> I can. Yeah. I, like- I like that idea. I like it. <laughs> into it it's much better than what we have now i'd say it's it's like jury duty (laughs) yeah it removes the monetary interest you can't just become a lobbyist when you quit you know yeah it's it circumvents all of the like campaign finance problems because like you can't campaign you're just chosen randomly yeah except anyway yeah there's a lot of people in this country (laughs) (laughs) yeah but they're all you know we're all equally All equally informed, we all have each other's best interests in mind. So I think it'll work out great. (laughs) Yeah. And we definitely haven't been just consuming propaganda from, you know, either Fox News or Twitter. (laughs) Anyway, Nevada is trying to put their primary on the first Tuesday in February, which I think is that the same date as us? Yes. Our caucus is Tuesday. Last time. Yeah. Although it's been in January before. I don't really know how the Iowa one is chosen other than first. Has to be first. Uh, And here's a statement from the Iowa Democratic Party's recently elected chairman. I think that was in March or April. Ross Wilburn, who is also a state rep, 
I think he's in the uh, House of Representatives in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Iowa going first does not take away from other states' abilities to hold primaries. It adds to the conversation. Yeah. Do you derive any meaning out of that? (laughs) Same can be said about Nevada, but okay. (laughs) And then he goes on. I believe Democrats have a real opportunity in Iowa to connect with a diverse electorate that includes voters of color and rural working class Americans. Those are two Mm -hmm. separate ideas. It's the majority of the working class and more <laughs> rural. Vo- okay, whatever. Whatever. Well, I, he's not necessarily saying those are mutually exclusive groups, but it kind of comes across that way. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Voters of color and rural working class Americans. Well, you know what rural working class is code <laughs> for. I mean, anytime a Democratic candidate or whatever politician says it, you know what it means. <laughs> Iowa also provides the perfect grassroots opportunity for candidates who don't have the name recognition or funding to break through in larger states. We are working hard to ensure Iowa continues to have a crucial voice in the presidential nominating process. That's a hilarious idea, too, that, that that's what's preventing them from breaking through. Like, if, yeah. if, the primary, if the first primary was in New York, then that would be a too high of a barrier of entry for, like, people like Kamala Harris or, like, Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. <laughs> we had a pretty, like, uh, big test case in the last one. There were, like, 20-something candidates. And how did it shake out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty much by name The best-funded ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess not all of the best-funded ones, but for the most part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it didn't really give a lot... It didn't make anything better for John Delaney, you know? Right. Like, yeah, he didn't so have a lot of name recognition. <laughs> he was running for like three and a half years leading up to the caucus. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about John Delaney. I love him. <laughs> Coming to Iowa every weekend since 2017. <laughs> and just drops out like so early. <laughs> yeah, he got nothing. I don't know if it's a, a perfect opportunity for a perfect grassroots opportunity, as he said it. Although it was also like completely self-funded, so it's not not so much grassroots in John Delaney's case. Listen, all you need is a, a rent a van, be charismatic, have the right policies, commit yourself <laughs> to visiting every county in Iowa, and you too could be president someday. If you put your mind to it. Do we really yeah, want to definitely. destroy such an important tradition by <laughs> making Nevada first <laughs> instead of Iowa? <laughs> Wait, does it really? That? No, that was me. That's my opinion. Okay, okay good. <laughs> I mean, that's the. I mean, that's the argument, though. Yeah, uh, they talk about how Harry Reid has been trying to bump Nevada to the front of the line for a long time. Uh, the Iowa 2020 caucus was a fucking mess, so that kind of added to the fire. Uh, though former Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez said publicly that caucuses should be phased out and Iowa should not go first. Current chair, Jamie Harrison, has declined to formally weigh in on the issue. <laughs> Coward. I think, I think, yeah, Tom Perez actually did say that while he was chair, to be fair, I believe. He did. He did, yeah. Yeah, so. Towards the end, but yes, he was still chair. Actually, this they got a statement from Jamie Harrison. We're going to continue to let the process play out, as it does every four years, and look forward to hearing the insight and recommendations from all interested parties on the 2020 reforms and on the 2024 calendar at the appropriate time in the process, he said in a statement. (laughs) (laughs) Do you derive any meaning from that? (laughs) No. Zero. (laughs) Just say no Let's see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. 
Uh, Iowa Republicans say they remain committed to hosting caucuses in 2024. Already potential candidates like, do you want to guess who the potential Republican candidates are for 2024? <laughs> Donald Trump, Trump Jr. <laughs> no Hope Trumps. Hicks. They actually only list two of them. Uh, Nikki Haley. Yeah, Nikki Haley is one. That would Haley's be funny one. if Hope Hicks ran for president. <laughs> <laughs> they list Nikki Haley and Mike Pompeo. Uh, Apparently they have both DeSantis visited too. Iowa. He's probably, he's up there now. He, yeah, he. it seems like he wants it, yeah. But oh, uh, yeah. yeah, Pompeo and Nikki Haley have visited Iowa recently. So that's why they were listed here. Nikki Haley can't win. They want her to happen, oh. so. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> they want to make Nikki Haley happen, and she's not going to happen. I remember people talking about her as a potential running mate for Trump in yeah. 2016. It's like, no. <laughs> not going to happen. He chose the most boring white man available to and balance that out boring white man stood by his side until the very end. <laughs> until January 6th. for it somehow. <laughs> the day democracy died. When they well, I saw he's uh, making a trip to Iowa um, somewhat recently for some sort of, I don't know, fucking family matters. <laughs> he's Not joining the, the cast of Family Matters? <laughs> <laughs> Not the sitcom. There's a Family Matters reboot. Yeah, with Mike Pence. Starring Mike Pence. <laughs> They're going in a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I've got some other news to talk about. This is a little bit... The caucus stuff, like, that shit's just funny because it's all stupid pageantry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and we've clearly seen it doesn't even fucking matter. Like, the Iowa caucuses were hyped up so much and then it just turned out to be, oh, okay, none of this matters. (laughs) AP didn't even declare a victor. Bernie Sanders. Yeah, yeah. Not in the state uh, delegate equivalent, Evan. The AP didn't declare a winner, so it's up for debate. It's still up for debate, folks. Hasn't been resolved and uh, still the subject of fierce arguments day after day. If you haven't been to Iowa recently, we're still fighting that battle. (laughs) Yes. It's been a year and four months, and we're still trying to resolve the Iowa caucuses of 2020. I think, uh, honestly, our whole country is still debating the caucuses of 2016. <laughs> honestly, I don't know if we've really moved on past that one. No, yeah, that that really shaped uh, the rest of our lives, I think. 2024 is going to be so bad. The rest of our lives are going to be so bad. Just yep. imagine having to listen to Kamala Harris that much. <laughs> I haven't been listening to her much recently. <laughs> she I just kind of gets sent like, off on secret missions and... <laughs> Telling people not to come here. Do not come. Do not come. Refugees we created. She fucking sucks, dude. Oh, yeah. If she ends up on the top of the ticket, that's... I'm sorry, but that's electoral poison. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. She's poison to fucking the Democrats' chances if they put her on top. She's absolutely poison. Big loser energy. She is... Not sexism. (laughs) (laughs) Excited to listen to that, too. Unprincipled career politician. Sorry. Everyone knows it, too. That's why she's poison. Craven. If I could Craven. Craven. Obama with twice the corruption and half the charisma. Yes. All right. Well, on to news that is a little bit more impactful on real human beings. Uh, I'm pulling this from KCCI's reporting. Their headline is, this is by Kayla James, reporter. Landlords, rental assistance leaders, prepare for eviction moratorium to end. 
Was there ever a actual eviction moratorium to begin with, though? Or was it just a thing that they put on the books and then landlords were able to you know, uh, and sidestep? I can tell you that it is not related to my job, but is definitely related to my job that they are still evicting people. Yeah, definitely. It's like they just give a different reason. It's yeah. Like, same as like, oh, you can't get you can't get retaliated against if you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, speak up in a bully meeting or whatever. It's like, sure. They just give a different yeah. reason. That's illegal. Right. That's illegal. That means they can't do it. Well, I'm going to play the video for you now. Well, you'll only hear the audio, but that's all that's important. We're experimenting here on Rock Hard Caucus with new software. So just scream if this sounds horrible to you, okay? <laughs> for the, the content? Jason, well, some Iowans are still struggling to pay rent as the federal eviction moratorium is set to end on June 30th. Renters are hoping for another extension, but some landlords say enough is enough. KCCI's Kayla James takes a look at the impact the moratorium is having here in Iowa. It prevented potentially a thousand, a thousand households from becoming homeless. For Eric Burmeister um, and the Polk County because, Housing Trust Fund uh, team, work was never slow between September of last year to this February. $1.7 million from the county and private donors helped Burmeister's team prevent people from being evicted, all by showing up at eviction hearings. Basically, uh, to um, pay the tenant's rent um, in return for the landlord dismissing the eviction. But as federal funding became available for landlords as well, Burmeister says he noticed a change. Landlords have become much more um, uh, agreeable <laughs> to using that program. That doesn't come as a surprise to Andrew Lietzo. These are people that are committed to running professional businesses. Lietzo is the executive director of the Iowa Landlord Association. He says mm-hmm. landlords don't want to evict renters, but what he does note is some are facing a tough choice. About 84% of our members, the, their tenants were current with rent payments but about 16% were late in one form or another. Research from the National Equity Atlas shows 14% of U.S. renters say they're behind in payments. Lietzo says 16% of the organization's members reported their tenants were late in one form or another. And now he's seeing some landlords having to sell their properties. It's going to create a housing problem because they're going to want to sell off rental property to somebody else, but a lot of them they're going to be sold to owner-occupants. In Des Moines, Kayla James, KCCI 8 News, Iowa's news leader. I just loved what he said right at the end there. They're going to be family homes. <laughs> right, yeah. This is a huge problem that uh, the people who are going to live in this place next are going to own it. <laughs> um, so I've worked a lot with those programs now, the like COVID landlord assistance or um, renter's assistance programs, and they are a nightmare. It is the most intentionally nightmarish, hellish application. It requires so much documentation. It's just like another reminder of how much these programs are designed to demoralize you every step of the way. And right now there's a backlog of 120 days or more. So everyone I've helped is just sitting there waiting, having no idea whether they should try to pay their rent or not, or they're going to get some help. It's a nightmare. Yeah, I I like how you you slipped up and called it landlord assistance, which is, of course, what it ends (laughs) up being in the end. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, I've heard from people who have to work with those uh, programs, too. And it's what I've heard is that you have to already be 
a you certain to- amount late right. on your rent, right? Yeah. So you can't go to them and say, I have hardship. I'm struggling to know how I'm going to pay rent next month. You have, which means you're hit with fees. And then you have no idea whether you're going to even be approved in the future. So you're sitting there racking up fees. You have no idea if they're going to get paid. It's bad. This is bad. Sucks. Yeah, it's it's like a they're really putting the screws to people with like unemployment benefits being decreased fucking renter's assistance, all this shit. And then also like the student loans, the moratorium on those being lifted. I saw like 40 million people are going to have to start paying up again. I think that's in September. And yeah, like very soon. I'm not sure. I didn't see when exactly. October. Yeah. It's terrifying to me. And here I am wanting to take on more. (laughs) I don't know. You try to go and you try to improve yourself and you, no matter what you do, you just get fucked. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Iowa is is ending its participation in the federal unemployment assistance this week. I think June 12th is the final day for that. Uh, this current eviction moratorium, which we've already said is not in effect an actual eviction moratorium, that's set to end at the end of this month, June 30th. And you just mentioned the student loans. we got a few months for that. But yeah, it's it's all just going away <laughs> Yeah. One thing after another. They're trying to force more people into fucking shitty, low-paying jobs. But hey, that starting wage has increased from $10 an hour to $12 an hour, so it's never been a better time. That takes care of it. Take a shitty job, because you have to. So when he mentioned in the video that the people that own these properties are going to have to sell them, so is that like their alternative to evicting the tenants? Is if, if you sell it to a new owner, then the tenants have to leave? I mean, yeah. They don't, but I mean, it's like, do you I mean, think that they're going to... Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes, yeah. But I mean, like, it's up to the landlord. It's not... <laughs> right. That's a way to get rid of them without it being technically an eviction. Right. Yeah. And generally, if they're going to buy a property, they're going to like try to improve it, I'm sure, and try to get attract higher paying renters. Ugh. So on one side, you've got this like development idea. Like, this always has to like extract or generate wealth for the person who owns the property. And on the other side of it, you have like people just, that just need shelter, <laughs> somewhere to live. And I, I, th- I would think that the second one would be a more pressing concern. Well, I don't know if you've talked to the people in our government or not. <laughs> but uh, I've, I looked up the Iowa Landlord Association yesterday when I was getting this ready. Oh, oh yeah. right. I, I remember... Yeah, I found a tweet from the Iowa Landlord Association's Twitter account, which is at (laughs) I-A-R-E-I-A underscore (laughs) I-L-A. So it's like Iowa Real Estate, Iowa, Iowa Landlord Association, I think is what that acronym is supposed (laughs) to be. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Or yeah, IREA has, uh, I believe, (laughs) was pointed out on Twitter. Yes, J.M. Wiest, who I don't know if they listen to the show, but they they do interact with all of us on Twitter pretty regularly. J.M. Wiest pointed out that I-A-R-E-I-A sounds like... <laughs> Iria, yes. Why did I laugh twice at the poop joke? <laughs> it's, still, it's funny every time. It's funny. It's very funny. Poop jokes are funny. They, they called it that. So, yeah, they tweeted from that account on January 21st of 2020... In response to when the New York Times was interviewing all the Democratic candidates for president, see, everything goes back to these fucking primaries. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we can never escape. 
but there was a video of uh, a Biden in the like New York Times building and the landlord association quote tweeted that and said, which endorsement is more important, that of the NYT or that of Jacqueline? I think Jacqueline is just like a person that Biden accosted in the video. <laughs> oh, I thought sh- you meant Jacobin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't really, but <laughs> this is not quote sleepy Joe. This is quote humble Joe. And a breath of fresh air for a world drowning in arrogance, self-indulgence, and hyper-partisan politics. <laughs> oh, my God. I, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Creepy Joe was sitting right there, and that's why he lost. <laughs> <laughs> he could have gone with Creepy Joe instead of Sleepy Joe. <laughs> it is really funny when people say that like Bright Biden's a breath of fresh air instead of like a dying man's last gasp of oxygen (laughs) before he gets choked out by much better organized opposition i like how they always talk about him as being calm and steady if it isn't for the fact that he can't remember anything and his brain is leaking out of his ears yeah and this joe biden being a very bad spot that's an end to arrogance in american politics this is a man who has never (laughs) expressed any any arrogance in his 50 years in politics yeah (laughs) Joe Biden thrice running for president of the United States. <laughs> not an arrogant Joe Biden. <laughs> There's not hours and hours of him screaming in the Senate on C-SPAN. Yeah, or telling just like ridiculous lies about himself to make himself look better. <laughs> N- none of that. None of that happened. Retcon it all into the fucking trash can. He's our nice old grandpa president. <laughs> He's like the worst. It's turned out to be the worst possible scenario of like what I thought could happen. Like, he's the worst. He's awful. Everything is bad. As evidenced by the Iowa Landlord Association loving him. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If the landlords are on your side, you're on the wrong side. Well, maybe the winning side, but the ethically wrong side. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. It's like very clear morally what should happen here. Just people should be able to have a home for themselves. Why didn't interview someone who is having trouble making rent right they only talked to the guy who like helps people in the polk county housing trust fund and then the landlord guy that's all they talked to and the housing trust fund is like a private philanthropy bullshit which everyone knows i don't believe in so mm-hmm. it's just like they're not interviewing anyone who's actually used any of these things right it's nobody who's actually impacted it's just a guy who like helps people at his desk and then goes home to his home that he pays for easily (laughs) and isn't actually facing any of these hardships himself. And then a guy who's on the side of the people who want to be evicting their tenants. He says they don't want to, but like it's easy. It's very easy Mm. not to just don't. (laughs) That's pretty easy to read through the lines on that one. Read between the lines on that one. Like, come on. (laughs) Like I said, they want higher paying tenants. Sorry. Yeah. I don't really have an immediate solution to that that doesn't involve violence. So, <laughs> uh, Evan, you mentioned the dying gasp of a of an old man <laughs> who's about to be destroyed by their competition, and that's a good segue. So here's an article that came out in the AP on June 1st by Thomas Beaumont about the Iowa Democratic Party. Do you think this is good news or bad news? <laughs> <laughs> What well, institution. <laughs> considering the last uh, election cycle, probably not good news. <laughs> yeah, well, they start off with this headline. Past the point of no return, Iowa Dems feel hopes fading. 
So not optimistic from from beat one. Yeah. Democrats lost last year's election for Iowa's second congressional district by the narrowest margin in a House race in almost 40 years. After the six-vote heartbreaker, <clears throat> some expected Democrat Rita Hart, <laughs> oh boy, to immediately declare a rematch in the Southeast District long held by her party. So far, Wait. no Democrat has stepped up to run. Did people really expect that? <laughs> I don't know who they talked to who expected that. But <laughs> <laughs> that seems pretty far-fetched. Yeah, I, I would say narrowly losing a district that has been voting for a Democrat for, what, six terms? Uh, more than that. Lobsack was in uh, 2006, I think. Mm-hmm. So, like, seven terms. <laughs> the hesitancy to jump into a district now as competitive as they come is one measure of Democrats' fatigue in a state viewed for decades as a true battleground. Even as the coronavirus pandemic gradually wanes and President Joe Biden's job approval remains strong, Iowa Democrats say they can feel their party receding, particularly from the industrial river towns they once claimed as bastions. How long have they been saying that, by the way? <laughs> that the, the industrial river towns were a Democratic stronghold for so long, but they've just been slipping yeah, away. Yeah, geez, I, I don't know. I wonder what could have like changed those industrial towns' opinions of Democrats. <laughs> maybe like when Bill Clinton signed NAFTA, maybe that might be yeah. a good, that might be a good been... one to start with. Did, Control F, did they mention NAFTA in this article? <laughs> Let's check. I'm guessing no. <laughs> Zero mentions of NAFTA. Zero mentions of NAFTA. I bet you they talk a lot about unions uh, decreasing in power, though. So. Uh, apparently the word union appears ten times. Oh, okay. So that, that comes up. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that, <laughs> this goes. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I've been reading Democrats talking about the industrial river towns for like 20 years. <laughs> you sold their jobs! You sold their jobs away! That's why! <laughs> yeah, this is my favorite Evan. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I don't have a political science degree. In fact, I have a high school diploma, but it's like, Jesus. It's a political science high school diploma, though. Yeah. <laughs> ma- majored well, in politics. <laughs> they melt your brain. They microwave your brain. You should not get a political science degree. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> You're actually more qualified to talk about this than poli sci majors <laughs> i would like to think so <laughs> have you ever met a human voter okay <laughs> i kind of think we're past the point of no return said rich taylor a former democratic state senator who lost last year after eight years representing economically struggling lee county which hugs the mississippi river in the state's southeast corner stop interviewing losers Stop it. This is a big problem. Now that <laughs> now that I've lost you. now that I've lost we're past the point of no return. There's no Stop coming back from my loss. Fucking losers in whatever the fuck that Heidi Hyde camp. Stop asking these people. They lost. They suck. They're not good at their jobs. Don't ask. Like, yeah. Their opinion does not matter. Ask a winner. This is a wild statement from Rich Taylor. I believe that the people of Southeast Iowa will wake up, but I don't think it's going to make a difference for the next 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, man. They're such losers. I I don't know how you match that pessimism and optimism together. (laughs) Like, what gives you the idea that they're going to... talk like this? (laughs) No. They do. What gives you the idea that they're going to wake up if not in the next 20 years? 
Uh, For more than a decade, Democrats have watched their ranks in farm communities dwindle. At the same time, their once-dominant strength in the state's factory towns was undermined by shrinking union power (laughs) and population loss. Hey, you motherfuckers had 70 years to repeal Taft-Hartley, too, by the way. (laughs) But that was never a priority, was it? Was that ever a priority for the Democratic administrations uh, since? I don't think so. Not that I've heard. I haven't heard uh, our current president say much about that either. Yeah, has he even come out in favor of the... I mean, I guess, ostensibly, he would be in favor of the PRO Act, but I don't think he's, like, really said anything about it, as far as I'm aware. Certainly not pushing hard. No. Uh, Republican Donald Trump's popularity among the white working class in those areas, to some, feels like a final blow. Well, that was four years ago, so if that was the final blow, I don't know what you're still doing in politics. (laughs) The big question is, can we bring it back, said Matt Plug. (laughs) (laughs) p-f-l-u-g plug a democrat on the board of supervisors in lee county i don't know if we can well you have a seat on the board of supervisors so i mean you have to try what is wrong with these people yeah this is reminding me of uh laura bellin saying that there is zero chance that Democrats would ever make Iowa a non-right-to-work state in our lifetimes. Right, yeah, that was hell. It's like, could you just, like, try or just, like, say that? Like, we don't... Like, I understand that government's about compromise and it's always about the bougies or whatever, <laughs> but, like... Republicans do not do this, though. Yeah, just fucking... Like, even if you're not able to accomplish it, like, immediately, how about, like, a long-term goal that people can organize around? Like, because is this they like don't f- they believe in it? This isn't That's a fucking it. alien concept. I know yeah. they don't believe in it, but like, it's not like an alien. But like, Laura Bellin, like, she should believe that. Like, she should, if you know, she, I, I think she's in good faith, but it's like she's just bought all this bullshit. And yeah, the Democratic leaders don't, don't want it. But the thing is, like, we promise people, we offer people nothing, and Republicans offer going to heaven. So we are never going to fucking win if we don't get out there and say, like, here's how we can make your life right now better. Because the alternative is you're going to save all the babies and you're going to sit at the right hand of God. So if you're going to counter that kind of hyperbole, you need to get out there and really make a difference in people's fucking lives. Yeah. You're not going to win on culture because, like, the democratic culture shit is fucking garbage. It's bullshit. Garbage. It's so transparently paper mache, like... (laughs) God damn it. Sorry. I, I hate the culture war stuff on the on the with liberals. I hate it. I hate it. You're never going to give the win that way. No one gives a fuck. And you are never, ever going to win a like one of those like a culture war argument against the right because they will just tell you that you can go to heaven if you vote for Republicans. So the only th- way that you can counter that, the only compelling message that can actually get through to people is to tell them what the fuck you're going to do to make their fucking miserable lives better. Sorry. Preach. Preach. <laughs> like, do something for people. Help them. If you can say, I have done this to help you, that's going to overcome this bullshit. But you're never going to win. They just always engage in these this insane shit. Why are you even talking about meat, meat week? Who the fuck cares? <laughs> like, just ignore these people when they do their dumb shit about Dr. Seuss yeah. or whatever. Like, you don't. You don't have to say anything at all. You can shut the fuck up. Raygun shirts are actually off-putting to like 90% of the people who don't already own <laughs> Raygun shirts. 
You're right. like condescending pricks. I'm sorry. That's the fucking brand yeah. of the Democratic Party. Bunch of condescending pricks who talk about anti-racism, but do actually nothing in reality to fucking make that happen. We believe science. We're the smart ones. We have the high ground. That's Shut why up! they hate leftists so much because leftists come in and say, you know, maybe you don't have the moral high ground here. And they're like, we're not Republicans. Of course we do. We never question that. And it's like, fuck you. Fuck off. <laughs> Like, do something for people. Like, stop sitting around and fucking whining about polls and saying, we can't do anything. There's no reason to try. I'm just going to twiddle my hands at home and regurgitate this traditional political wisdom that doesn't apply anymore on the internet to tell leftists that nothing good can ever happen and you should never try to make things better. Fuck you. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, they're always trying to lower expectations. They're always trying to say, well, you're asking for too much. But, like, that's only going to piss us off more, by the way. So, like... (laughs) <laughs> like i mean you're not this isn't working it's it's not gonna work they like actually were so inflexible but i would have to be offered so little to vote for a democrat they talk about like we are so inflexible we're so rigid we're so purity test and i was like if you cancel my student loans i'll vote for anyone yeah there are a lot of people who are way more radical than i am <laughs> i'll say yeah. that do something one thing that helps my family and i'll vote for you but you're not going to do a single fucking thing. So I'm going to sit here and like bitch at you, honestly, because like I, you know, I'm not really that radical when it comes to like, I would vote pragmatically, but I didn't vote for Joe Biden because he wasn't going to do fucking shit for me. And he didn't. So if you offered me one thing, if you raised the minimum wage, if you actually like did one single thing, I would vote for Democrats. But why should I bother if there's not one fucking thing? You know? Yeah. Or even an honest effort. Honest effort. Say what you want. Work towards it. If you fail, like, I'm way more willing to forgive if it's a fucking honest effort. But it's like, we don't even know what half the fucking Democratic politicians even believe. Because they're so (laughs) evasive about it when it comes down to the actual fucking, like, on-the-ground reality of it. Oh, Joe Manchin. Oh. (laughs) It's not just Joe Manchin. It's your whole party. And the, the tempering expectations thing, they say that, like... They do that because that helps them win elections, but it's like the complete opposite. Like Biden won basically because he lied to people about what he wanted to do as president. Same as Obama. Obama like was an extremely popular politician because his campaign was, I'm going to change everything for you. <laughs> and I mean, Biden did the same thing, but like, you know, smaller, like I'm going to give you a $2,000 check. I'm going to cancel like this amount of student loan debt no more kids in cages, all that kind of shit. So like, if you say that shit while you're campaigning, it does help you. Making these promises, I mean, it helps you in the short term. You'll win the election. But now that he's turning his back on all of that shit, like, I think long term, it's probably bad. (laughs) So what they're revealing there is like, we have to temper these expectations because nobody who's going to succeed as a democratic politician is ever actually going to do this shit yeah well we know the problem is just the whole fucking corporate donor situation <laughs> they're beholden to their Pretty donors much. they're not beholden to the public they're not even democrats rank and file they're beholden yeah. to the people that give them money yeah i mean even their fucking loyal every single election voting democrats like what do they really get out of it the moral high ground and they that's get why the moral <laughs> high ground <laughs> God, i guess that's it yeah they're just offering them fucking ray gun slogans yep Yep. If you vote for me, you're the one who believes in science. So you vote thumbs for up. Me, you're not racist. <laughs>
Well, I mean, I think both of those populations are, are dwindling. People aren't really buying that anymore. And there's only so many people who own giant corporations who are donating to only one party, you know? Yeah, I mean, I would love... I mean, I know this is the opposite of how politics works, but, like, I would love to put all of the, uh, you know, moderate sort of liberal people in a position where, like, they have to vote for an actual left-wing candidate or you know, God forbid, vote for a Republican. <laughs> it's like, we talk all this shit about like, oh, Democrats and Republicans are the same, but the Democratic strategy is literally predicated on Republicans and Democrats being the same because they're so terrified of losing their like moderate suburban block of voters because they're mm-hmm. afraid that they're going to go to Republicans because those are their ideological cousins. <laughs> like, right. they're, it's all predicated on that. Their Their only goal is to try to capture the same segment of voters that are already voting. And that's and- it. Used to hemorrhage people by using policies like NAFTA. Yeah, you need an actual political project. Like there is no political project that the Democrats are endorsing. It's a fucking. It's impossible to discern by any normal person. Well, since they talk about uh, unions in this, let me give you a little bit of that information because that's that's probably the most important part of this. Is like the reason you're losing now is because of what happened 25 years ago. (laughs) Right. Uh, so they're talking about how this was a battleground state. Tom Harkin was in the Senate for a long time and then replaced by a Republican. Uh, those Democratic victories relied on support from union laborers, a progressive rural farm tradition, and backing in the state's small and mid-sized metro areas. But the once-robust Democratic union base has dwindled as manufacturing jobs have left cities such as Burlington, <laughs> Fort Madison, and Keokuk along the river. The trend has left one-time industrial areas with disproportionately older voters without college degrees, voters who lean Republican. (laughs) Do they lean Republican because of those two demographics, or is it because of what you just said in the previous sentence? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Right, because they act like this is some kind of immutable fact. Like the conventional wisdom is just a fact about people. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like, what does lean Republican means? It means if you go out and talk to them and maybe give an example or follow through on a promise. Lean means they're probably not super plugged into the local Republican Party. Right. But the Republicans are actually offering something that they can like grasp at least. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You'll get to go to heaven like Natalie said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, these people are they don't have college degrees because 30 years ago they had a job where they didn't need a college degree, but it paid enough to feed their families because it was a un- they had a union mm-hmm. and they're older because they had that union job 30 years ago <laughs> and they don't vote for democrats anymore because democrats fucked them 30 years ago yeah and so did republicans but they again of stro- offered a stronger narrative reason for them to vote for them yeah they're better with the bullshit they're better with the bullshit much better <laughs> In 2016, Trump carried nine of 10 Iowa counties along the river, only missing Scott County, the most metropolitan. Notably, Trump was the first Republican since Eisenhower to carry Dubuque County, for decades a union stronghold. Well, unions don't have as much of a stronghold when they're not strong at all. Yep. Uh, we used to be able to count on the union vote here, said former state senator Jerry Kearns of Keokuk in Iowa's southeastern corner. Not anymore. Kearns was president of his United Steelworkers local for 20 of his 38 years working at at Hennage's Automotive Parts Manufacturer. Today, only about 500 union employees remain out of the 1,500 that Kearns once represented. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Union voters are younger than 20 years ago and don't, quote, 
realize what the Democratic Party has done for organized labor, he said. (laughs) (laughs) What? Pay lip service to it? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they don't know because it happened long before they were fucking born. (laughs) Why would they care? You have to be loyal to your team for the rest of your life because, like, at one time 40 years ago, they used to be, like... Yeah, I mean, if we're if we're looking back that far, why don't we just tie the Democratic Party to the KKK? Like, you know, the Republican <laughs> Party does most of the time. <laughs> why don't we just watch Dinesh, Dinesh D'Souza documentaries while we're at it? <laughs> Union leaders see Biden's agenda as a benefit to workers, but workers themselves aren't as engaged in the policy current said and are more interested in things like guns and rights they want to blame democrats for trying to take away <laughs> yeah so maybe drop the gun control thing <laughs> i mean no, i'm I in, I, i'm well i mean it's not like democrats are really pushing that that hard but no I not know, really I, i'm the most gun grabber person on the podcast <laughs> just to say not really that gun grabbery but like that's that's a losing issue for democrats and yeah, i mean uh, how how engaged do you think those union workers were in policy 30 years ago do they really give a shit about all the details no. or did they just have more money <laughs> As a result of their jobs being unionized. Right, you have to offer people something. <laughs> Ultimately, no matter what nebulous thing you offer about rights and religion and all this stuff, if you give people money, they'll vote for you. More than $1,400. Like, <laughs> more than $1,400. Yeah, if you give people the money that you promised them and don't arbitrarily decrease the number that you promised, they will like you for that. You know that $2,000 stimulus check. That money that will go out the door immediately. Yeah, I mean, union leaders are notoriously not the same as the workers in the union. So I don't think it's really going to help the Democrats that the union leaders think that Biden's agenda is awesome. Yeah, well, there's n- the problem is there's not enough union members. And again, that's like because that of too. Taft-Hartley and the right to work laws and all of that shit. There's no incentive for you to join a union anymore if you can just get all the benefits of being in a union without actually joining it. So it's like, yep, yeah, it's you need to fix the fucking legislation. Mm-hmm. Like the organized labor cannot like grow under the current environment. You need to change the legislation. Simple. I mean, it's not simple, but like the problem like it's right there in front of you. <laughs> Biden's economic aid could provide Democrats ammunition to campaign in places like this, but it will have to compete with the perception that the party has been taken over by socialists. (laughs) That is not the problem! The problem is, it fucking should be taken over by socialists. Then the people would see a benefit in their, like, material existence, and then they would like you because you're actually giving them something. Because you are a socialist. (laughs) This stuff is popular. The problem is there's a perception that you've been taken over by socialists, but you haven't actually been taken over by socialists. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think the worst perception is that you've been taken over by huge money interests. I mean, that's probably a bigger uh, detriment to your ability to, you know, win popular support. Is that people like know that you're bought and paid for? Same as the Republicans? Right. Everyone knows it. And it's true. And like... The evidence is right there. Like you can see that they don't represent the interests of anyone but yeah. their wealthy donors. The second most corrupt party in America. <laughs> Yay. Throw a party. <laughs> We're the Democrats. <laughs> 
we're less corrupt by 1%. Vote for us. <laughs> Tom Courtney, a former state senator and longtime union official, said he thinks more voters than just a decade ago struggle to separate Democrats they know from those who speak nationally for the party. When he sought a comeback campaign last year, his opponents linked him to <clears throat> liberal New York representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, an independent who ran for president as a Democrat. I think there are a large number of people that liked me and my policies, but just didn't want a Democrat because they didn't like AOC or didn't like Bernie Sanders, Courtney said. We didn't fight that national message. Well, he wasn't the fucking presidential nominee. <laughs> He has no fucking sway in your fucking party. What? You can't and just those fucking are, blame him every time you fucking lose. Those are two of the most popular sitting representatives as well. I mean, yeah, they're more popular in urban areas or whatever, but it's like, that's a messaging. Like, that's like, you're not speaking the right language situation rather than... Everyone in my district, they like me. They just didn't vote for me because of Bernie Sanders. They don't fucking like you. I... <laughs> <laughs> they probably like Bernie. Of like an irrelevant, and also every single one of Bernie Sanders' policies is more popular than any sitting Democrat. Any bullshit that Biden's doing now, no one gives a fuck about Joe Biden's agenda. It's all failing. Yeah, if it's not actually happening, then it's. I mean, if they're gonna just like, I mean, the infrastructure bill would be would have been a good thing. Would have been a great thing if it actually passed. If yeah, if it passed in the original form, which again, it was probably right. not going to happen. But like. Yeah, they're they're blowing it so hard, and it's just I don't know, man. Other than to scream, scream into my microphone. <laughs> I didn't think I was gonna scream, but that last part pissed me off. It makes you really, really fucking angry. You can't just blame us. We have nothing to do with you. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. Is yeah, like they have just not learned anything from like the numerous butt spankings that they've received. <laughs> Like, I, I just don't... They've learned nothing. Because they like, don't want to learn anything. Because that requires fucking trying. I mean, the li idea of, like, sustainable, capitalist, liberal democracy, Western society or whatever, it got absolutely fucking rocked twice in 2016. It was Brexit and it was Trump. And you still haven't yeah. even, like, come to terms with that at all. You came up with, like, Russiagate, whatever, <laughs> and then, like... Biden squeaked out a victory and now it's all the only thing that Democrat like the most partisan Democrats give a shit about is like January 6th. Yeah, it's, it's more or like, less a victory for himself alone. Yeah. They're not January 6th, supposedly, but they gave the Capitol Police a raise despite the fact that yeah. like it just came out like <laughs> today that they were aware of it months ahead of time. They, they don't actually happen. care they about January 6th. They just care about tying Republicans to January 6th and saying all these yes. Republican politicians contributed to it, which is like Duh. Now yeah, and January 6th was fucking awesome. It's going to be insufferable. <laughs> Would I rather vote for the person who made January 6th happen or the person who whined about it and did nothing? Well, <laughs> I thought it was cool and funny, so I guess I'm a Republican now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's bleak. That <laughs> was really funny. <laughs> Okay, but um, so this last part where Tom Courtney said that he lost because people tied him to Bernie Sanders. They like me, but they just won't vote for a Democrat like Bernie Sanders. Okay, I don't know where Tom Courtney is from in Iowa. I'm sure it's not the same as Johnson County, but John Green was endorsed by fucking Bernie Sanders, and he's about to win in the landslide. Some sort of implicit tie to Bernie Sanders that someone invented 
is not going to sink you if an explicit yeah. endorsement from Bernie Sanders has done wonders for this campaign. <laughs> like Johnson County is not it's not the same as every county in Iowa, but like there's plenty of rural people here who do vote for Republicans in Johnson County. I mean, he's in a rural area. It just goes to show you there are people in rural areas who believe these things, but they just don't believe that Democrats give give a fuck. And yeah. they're right. I said earlier, I would like to see the politics flipped where the Democrats are like exclusively focused on like poor voters and like that, you know, just wanting to see what, you know, the well-meaning upper class liberals would do about it. And like there are a lot of like super well-meaning, you know, richer type liberals who are totally on board with like someone like John Green or even Bernie. Like they would have there's plenty yeah, of people yeah. who like Bernie's yeah. wasn't their first choice, but they would have voted for Bernie. Are you kidding me? Laura yeah, Bell everyone would have voted up. for Bernie. Of course she would have. She's very well intentioned, but fuck dude, how many times do you gotta get your ass beat before you learn a goddamn thing? I mean she's well well intentioned, but fuck. If you can yeah, if you can like keep seventy five percent of your voters and then like bring in like twenty five percent of the non voter I mean, that's probably, I mean, that's uh, still a tall order, but like, there's no reason why you can't like start winning elections. And grow your party. Yeah, it's long term. It's like long term. I mean, they're so focused on just the next election cycle. I mean, this whole article is just focused on the next election cycle. And it's like, mm -hmm. you need mm -hmm. to like plant long term seeds. Like the Republicans have been pursuing literally the same fucking agenda really since Reagan. I mean, they've had, I don't know, there was... I don't know if they mentioned in this article, but, you know, like Trump's little uh, outreach to like labor and like the working class, quote unquote, back when like Steve mm -hmm. Bannon was actually part of the, the campaign or whatever. Yeah, they started like the projects that they're on, that they're winning on. They've been doggedly pursuing for 40 years. They're about to overturn Roe v. Wade and they have been trying to do it and working their asses off to do it for 40 years. Yeah. They yeah. never take off the prize and then they fucking win. And for yeah. the record, I think it's motherfucking monstrous. And I am a supporter of abortion rights to my core. But we have to look at how did they do this and how can we do it, too, yeah. just for opposite reason. Right. Like, look, they won. They got the Supreme Court seats that they want. They're about to get the big decision yeah. that they, was, they won. So we need to do what they did because they won. Was mm -hmm. banning abortion politically popular or politically feasible? Like no. twenty years ago, yeah, they, they're no. doing all this shit. They're no, winning. Absolutely they're winning not. completely in spite of popular will, <laughs> right? Because right. they play yeah. dirty. They have. I mean, so they imagine have what money. we could do when yeah. we have, um, like a, a majority support for Medicare for all. Imagine what you could do, including Republicans. Yeah, if you, if you actually wanted it to happen. Policies, because it's like a lot of inside dealing and a lot of just like federalist bullshit when it comes to Republicans. Imagine if we did some of their tactics but did it for things that were actually popular, like raising the minimum wage, like Medicare for all. Like, I mean, imagine the force it could be. <sighs> it's not going to come from them. <laughs> no, no, it's they not going to come it. from the fucking Democratic Party. And that's why you need yeah. to stop putting your fucking faith in them. They needed a clean house for, I mean, we'll be generous and say they needed a clean house in 2016. Realistically, they needed a clean house in 2010 or 2012, or even sooner or than that. 1980, like, maybe? They need a clean house. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. They don't, they don't let losers hang around in the Republican Party. Like, they didn't, like, go ahead and redo Mitt Romney in 2016. Yeah. Just like, yeah, look like what happened to Romney. <laughs> <laughs> or McCain, He's even. Fully they, sh they shit on yeah. him. They fucking Trump shit on his grave, dude. 
Yeah. <laughs> fuck him. Fuck him. Turn yep. against Hillary Clinton. She fucking sucks. Go out there and start talking about how much she sucks. Yeah, that'll win you votes. If you talk about how much Hillary Clinton fucking sucks, you'll win votes. You get applause. Yes. Rashida Tlaib. Rashida Tlaib who got, like, did it and people loved it. Yeah, the people loved it, but like the rich people in the party got mad. Which, but everyone like, in that audience was them. applauding. <laughs> and the people in the audience are the people who fucking vote. And I mean, this is why it's important that you don't just send your money to the Democratic Party or OPAC, <laughs> and instead you look for individual candidates. Like you have people out there like John Green. We can start, we can change this. We can start transforming this. If you go out and knock doors like Justin and not me because I don't live there and I'm lazy, but <laughs> you can go out and talk to voters, distribute fly- flyers, go for actual individual candidates and fight for them. And that's how you can change any of this. Like, don't just like send your money to the Democratic Party. They're going to fucking waste it. They're losers. They have big loser energy and yep. they suck. And you should <laughs> They're just going to funnel it to a bunch of consultants who like don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. And yeah. have way more credentials than like actual like sense or like political fucking instincts. Yeah, they're just gonna make like little graphics and put them on Twitter, and everyone will make fun of them. <laughs> and that's all they're gonna do with their money, with your money. But if you go out, if you give money to John Green, you give your time to John Green, you can make an actual difference that way. Or who? Well, yeah, I mean his election's over, but you know, in a couple years we'll have to do it for him again. Um, let me ask you, Natalie and Evan. And then every, everyone listening to this. So earlier when I was reading this article, I read a statement from Ross Wilburn, who is the chair of the Iowa Democratic Party. Now think back. Have you heard or read any statements from Ross Wilburn, the chair of the Iowa Democratic Party, prior to right now? No. Have I? I don't think so. Has this guy been doing fucking anything since the Iowa Democrats fucking ate shit? <laughs> no. Like, you're leading the party, and I have not heard shit from he, you. Yeah, he is newly appointed, <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I do know, you know, Iowa GOP, Jeff Kaufman. We we know that situation. He is probably more prominent than he's Wilburn, always out for there. sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's out there for sure. I don't think Ross Wilburn's like a horrible guy or anything, but like you just won this uh, very small private election to lead your party, and what have you done? Like this thing needs to be turned around like pretty fucking sharply. And I haven't seen shit from you other than uh, saying that, yeah, we should probably keep having the caucus. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, that was a heated episode. I think we need to, we need to cool down. I had, I had three beers in my defense, (laughs) three whole beers. beers Now it's still screaming. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, we're just going to get more pissed and we're not going to go away unless you actually, you know, make some concessions. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I reserve the right to stay pissed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hope listeners are pissed too and they believe in something bigger than this. You don't have to like go, you don't have to let them guilt you into voting for these losers. You can believe mm-hmm. in something bigger and you can ask for more and you can work for candidates who promise you and follow through on more. You don't have yeah. to accept this. This is You this can is also cool. you can also talk shit and still end up voting for them at the end. Like it's that's not mm. there's no <laughs> wrong thing to do here. I mean other than nothing. Like <laughs> whatever is in your capability to do you should do or whatever you're able or willing to do you should do. But like yeah, there's no there's no easy answer <laughs> to any of this obviously, but right. it's clear that we need some sort of mass consciousness shift for 
any of this shit to to work. Right. And how else will that happen if you don't get a, get out there and talk about it? Right. And say, this isn't working for me. You're allowed to say that. They work for you. You don't work for them. Fuck them. Yeah. Like, they, there needs to be a much more adversarial relationship between politicians and their most vocal constituents. Yeah, they should be scared to leave their houses. Normal countries, mm-hmm. they're fucking scared of people. Why aren't they scared <laughs> of us? And it's because we just roll over and do whatever they say. Which I will say, my like socialist friends are about half and half where they did vote for Joe Biden. And you can fall in line and do a harm reduction vote, and that's okay. But you should also use your voice to advocate for candidates that are better and don't ever let them tell you that better things aren't possible because they are possible and you deserve better than this shit. I would ask you, though, now that we're a few months in, to reflect and consider how much harm has actually been reduced as a result of our new president. Nobody's very bad. But, you know, (laughs) theoretically, in some cases, harm reduction votes are possible. I don't think any harm has been reduced, and I'm proud of my lack of voting for him. But (laughs) the point is, is like, if you sit down and you make that decision and you morally come to the decision that you're going to vote for the the Democrat, even if they're a milquetoast loser, like, I absolutely would never judge someone for that because you're making a deliberate moral decision. And I think that's wonderful. But I do want to say that you can demand better and these fucking losers should never like tell you that you can't have a better life because you can. And honestly, I'm going to vote for dumbass if he's the... (laughs) Right. No. I'm cutting this. Yeah. I don't know if I said this on podcast. I did vote for Joe Biden and I did not want to. And I said I wouldn't. And I did. Uh, I don't regret it. It's it's whatever. But like it short term, no see, like the thing is short term, I think obviously Democrats in power is better than Republicans in power. Long term, total fucking question mark. No fucking idea. Probably, <laughs> like you said, like if they continue on the current path, it's probably worse, honestly. Yes. I mean, it's always going to be a, a backlash reaction. And it's like, what do you want them to be backlashing against? Do you want there to be this yeah. like middle of the road, like, I keep calling them losers, loser corporate party, and then this like far right crazy ass backlash? Or do you want us to be a true left party that's actually for the people and does shit for poor people and let them backlash as they may, at least that we're dragging them in in a direction that actually helps people? Welcome their hatred. You just need the courage to like bite the hand that feeds you, the corporate donors. And there's very few Democrats who have shown that courage. Very few. Or it's maybe sad. they have corporate donors like like one person didn't, but <laughs> no, God forbid. It's for the best. It's for the long term good. I got to head over to the Deadwood now for the John Green victory party. <laughs> Again, no no results have been announced yet, but I'm calling it. It is a victory party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to be so embarrassed if it turns out the other way. <laughs> hey, well, we're, we're going to know before I release the episode. episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. You you deserve to take a part of this because of how hard you worked. And I hope I can give it back in my area. So good well, job. It's all it's all due to this podcast. Because he <laughs> I gave came on twenty dollars to John Green's campaign. So, <laughs> just saying. People listen to this podcast and that's why he is currently winning. <laughs> it's all due to us. We deserve all the credit. That's right. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening. I think we've said all that needs to be said today. <laughs> yep. Again, who do you email if you're mad at us? 
what's the email address to i, I want to get some hate mail we haven't got any we got hate tweets we haven't got any hate mail rockhardpodcast at gmail.com please please centrist democrats send us hate mail we get hate <laughs> tweets and we love it keep it up energize us give us your energy <laughs> look at how much we yelled at this episode yeah. after guys harassed us on twitter for so long three beers all lower than five percent alcohol content (laughs) it's not much folks it's not much keep the tweets coming keep the hate coming we don't give a fuck good night That was really fun.